Hello and welcome to Rising News, the podcast with all you need to know about your weekly news. Today is Saturday, the 4th of April, 2020. This week... Scott Morrison has put on further restrictions due to the coronavirus pandemic. Boris Johnson has contracted coronavirus. Hundreds of billions of dollars will be given to Australians for a JobKeeper payment. And in a first for rising news, we look at affordable phones in the first You've Asked For It segment. Welcome again to Rising News. Okay, so quite a bit has happened since last week in the coronavirus pandemic and the COVID-19 in general. Scott Morrison's response on March the 21st revealed how to prevent the spread of coronavirus. He's now followed up, releasing an app from the government about this topic. The Prime Minister has also released a whopping $130 billion for those who have lost their jobs due to the pandemic. This is so that all people that have been affected by COVID-19 will receive compensation. The country also leaked the idea of Stage 4 restrictions, meaning the closures of more stores and businesses Still not as close as New Zealand at stage four. And this brings us to the poll from last week, where a majority of you agreed the government's restrictions were fair and safer than being slack. It's now time for the first ever You've Asked For It segment. People submitted ideas for possible articles to cover, and this week we look at foldable phones. Thanks to Oliver for the submission. If you want an article covered, enter on the website. That's risingnews.weebly.com. Risey, R-Y-Z-Y news.weebly.com if you would like to submit an idea you might just get chosen so foldable phones are they the future before i begin i'm just going to say no the future is not foldable phones foldable phones are top of the line 2005 when nokia was popular most kids born after 2010 don't even know what a flip phone is so unless ariana grande releases her next single on vinyl flip phones are dead and we don't bring back dead technology but I will go into further details for all of those Android users listening. For those of you who don't know, last year Samsung claimed to have brought back the flip phone with their smart, foldable phone, the Galaxy Fold. This was a flop, a lemon some may say, with demonstration models breaking in the hands of reviewers. There was a layer of protective glass which was obtrusive, and after thinking it was a screen protector put in the box for shipping, reviewers peeled the glass off, breaking the OLED display of the expensive device. However, this was patched before the full release of the phone. So why do I still think it's a flop? Because several developers have made foldable phones. Samsung with two now. And since when were any of them practical? These phone tablets like the Galaxy Fold don't nearly have the power of a tablet or iPad, so all they are is a brick. It's like getting a backpack, an expensive Kathmandu backpack, to carry a leaf. It's a waste of room for what it's used for. Companies such as Motorola and Samsung created these foldable smartphones. I haven't forgotten about the Galaxy Z. There's not yet a practical use, so no, it's not the future. You may think I'm harsh, but you've asked for it. So, what are the phones of the future? You may think I'm sticking with a dead horse, though, when I say that Apple is the future. You see, yes, Samsung has made 100 times zoom. First, they'll display on the phone. Curved display, infinity display, yes. Yes, they have all that stuff, but the technology was patented by Apple first. All the technology for facial recognition 
all the technology for fin- fin- fingerprint recognition, all the technology for what we believe is standard in smartphones now, technically speaking, all originated from Apple. So, what is the phone of the future? Well, I think that having a phone that that can have an amazing huge coloured OLED display or having a phone that can have a 100 megapixel camera isn't what we're actually looking for. It's the uses of that that we're looking for. It's like, it's more of the applications that we can use a phone for because since about, let's say, three years ago, the uses of smartphones haven't gone up. Back in 2009 to 2010, when the iPhone was about two to three years old, maybe four years old at the time, the iPhone 3GS was around, The every single year there would be new uses for the device. Every year everyone would wait to see what would be in the new software and you would see that there's all these new uses. Oh, this one can do maths and this one can, can look up high quality video. And now because we've had so many new things, all the new things are too small and too subtle for us to see. Even on, you know, $2,000 smartphones. Even on the top of the line Samsung or the best iPhone. The applications, the applications, they just, they haven't gotten any better. Now, as I said last week, it's not that NASA has the rocket, it's how you get to Mars that matters. So it doesn't matter how good your camera is or if it's got 16 gigabytes of RAM, or if it's got the best facial recognition technology on Earth, if you don't have applications on that phone that can actually assist in the daily lives of humans, which is, again, the primary primary use of smartphones is to assist in the daily lives of us. If it can't use applications to assist in that, then what is it? It's really just some expensive piece of aluminium. Well, aluminium, glass, gold, yeah, etc. It's not the future. The future doesn't lie in the hands of the hardware developers. The future lays in the hands of the young developers. The people that make the applications. The people that make the uses. See, iPhones, Androids alike. They could have the best hardware, but that's not what makes them the phones of the future. If you had an iPhone 3GS that could do something in an application better than, say, an iPhone 11 Pro, then the iPhone 3GS becomes the phone of the future because it's not about the hardware, it's about the software and how it's used that matters. Sticking with the trade of new technology, LG has been constantly releasing new devices and smart home assistance packages for their Think line of products. The Think product range is a new LG range, which includes a new phone, washing machine, a new car, which is a living room on wheels practically, new TVs, refrigerators, vacuums, home assistants like you know a Google Nest or Google Home, ovens, air conditioners, and more. This technology. As I said earlier about the phones, assists in the daily lives of humans. If anyone has been to the Consumer Electronics Show, which I haven't been to but I've seen a lot of, it's CES is what it's called, it's in America, it shows all the new consumer electronics that have been released by new companies and what is the future of technology. And yes, there are a few phones there, but LG had a display there, 
with all the new technology of the future in their Think lineup of products. Even newer things involved a smart door, a smart vacuum, and even smart ovens. But it's not just the name smart to me that makes the products smart. If you can make an oven with ROM and RAM, so memory, with a motherboard that can set off many tasks and a controller which can control can be controlled from anywhere in the home that doesn't mean anything if it can't cook food if you can have a vacuum that could that has the best battery life in any vacuum and has a touch screen display on the top so you can change the settings that's no good unless it can suck up stuff if it can't clean your floors then it's just a piece of junk. And this is what LG is addressing in the new Think lineup. In the new Think lineup, which is spelt T-H-I-N-Q, Think-Q, I used to say, this lineup is about how the product is used and, most of all, it's making sure the products do their jobs well. That's what LG's targeting this, uh, this time around. Yes, they've targeted stuff like this one before, and... They used to go down the same track as Apple and Samsung in their mobile phones. They used to think, well, we could make the best hardware. But now it's about how it's used. Now that we're in the 20s, we don't need to look at hardware anymore. I think we've got the best phone. We don't need to really improve hardware. What we need to do is improve software. Because the last five Galaxies, the last five iPhones... The last five Motorola's, the last five Nokia's, the last five of any brand you can think of. All of those in the last five years have changed drastically. Yes, big cameras, better quality, OLED display, all the new features, but none of them, none of them have had brand new apps that can do different things to improve the daily life of the human race. Hidden in a limestone quarry near the border between Belgium and the Netherlands, researchers have found small bone fragments sticking up out of a rock that could fit in their palms. They could tell that delicate, light bones belonged to a bird. It wasn't until they used X-ray, CT scans, that they realised a nearly complete bird skull was encased in the rock itself. And it was 66.7 million years old. The dinosaurs went extinct, for reference, 66 million years ago. Meaning that this bird they'd found was older than some of the last dinosaurs. As they studied the skull, the researchers realised it was similar to modern chickens and ducks, and that means that it not only lived and evolved while dinosaurs walked the earth, but also survived and even thrived as the dinosaurs went extinct. They'd found the oldest modern bird fossil to date, which they have dubbed Wonder Chicken. The study announcing the discovery of the bird published Wednesday in the journal Nature. Researcher Daniel Field holds a 3D print of the Wonder Chicken skull. Researcher Daniel Field says this. The moment I first saw what was beneath the rock was the most exciting moment in my scientific career. He said, This is one of the best preserved fossil bird skulls of any age from anywhere in the world. People thought it could be a duck. It had a weird kind of beak that doesn't look that much like a chicken. But 
it has a weird kind of shape to the body of it. Which is why we believe that this is the oldest fossil of a modern bird known on Earth now. However, with Earth's size, the size of this world, it is very hard to guarantee anything of that nature. What I mean by this is that there are so many places where humans haven't stepped foot that it is too hard to guarantee that this is the oldest remaining fossil. But, to human knowledge, this is definitely the oldest remaining fossil of any bird, of modern bird stature, of any kind. This is uh, an important time in Earth's history, as it was only 700,000 years before, uh, before dinosaurs went extinct. Now, surprisingly, I, uh, I do have some travel news today. Um, in the Blue Mountains, I've got some news about a resort. So, one of the most significant and most luxurious retreats in the Blue Mountains is back in business, or well, was back in business on March 5th, after it was forced to close during the summer's bushfires, but, this, but was spared thanks to the efforts of firefighters. The Emirates' one and only Walden Valley, a luxury retreat sitting among 2,800 or 2,800 hectares of sprawling bushland, has reopened this month, or last month, and is welcoming, welcoming back guests with open arms and grateful hearts. The luxury resort is back in business after the Blue Mountains fires. We are delighted to be back in the valley, the resort's general manager, Tim Stanhope, said. We are keen to share with our guests this unique opportunity and witness and be part of the regeneration of the landscape and the abundant wildlife still here on the reserve. While there is some scaring of the surrounding bushland, some scarring of the surrounding bushland, uh, large areas remain untouched by the fires. The helicopter arrived in to Walgan Valley Resort to look at, back at the land after it was reopened to see if it was a good enough land to bring back. Luckily, after the fires had been put out by firefighters, the luxury resort was spared. However, the bushfires have had several effects all over the country, and even though there have been several several campaigns uh, following these bushfires to assist in the wildlife people and the firefighters who have uh, lived through this time and bravely bravely gotten through it there has been some hard times for a lot of people and animals and I do I highly urge everybody listening to to see what they can do and try and help out in any way shape or form and um, I urge you all to donate I urge, I urge you all to be careful and safe and make sure that the money that you have that you want to assist in helping people with goes to the right people because there are people out there that need this. You might think that the coronavirus has set a stage at the moment, and it is, but that doesn't mean that all of the devastating effects of the bushfires are over. And even bushfires from 2013 have had effects financially on some families and some people a lot. And so I just want to spread this message from my family to yours, and that's... That's to be safe, be careful, and make sure you can do as much as you can to help while still uh, keeping keeping yourself safe from coronavirus. Uh, back to the resort. The property is said to be in excellent condition after it was spared by the fires. The volunteers have said, Kangaroos, wallabies, wombats, reptiles, and birds have started to return, and the regeneration has already begun due to recent rain. However, other resorts in the Blue Mountains, homes as well, 
natural wildlife has been taken by these fires and and there are still ones coming back and will be still coming back for quite a while now. In other news, the Corona Beer Company has halted production as the coronavirus pandemic grips Mexico. The ongoing coronavirus pandemic has forced major closures across the globe and now it's closed the taps on Corona Beer as well as shutting down several breweries across Mexico. Prior to this, though, the Corona Beer Company had been losing sales because of its link between the major virus. In other words, if I made an energy drink and I called it death, or if I called it struck by lightning, or if I called it drowning or suffocation, it's going to be a bit hard for people to buy it. And now because of the coronavirus links to to the beer... Corona beer has lost sales. However, because of the spread of the coronavirus, sadly, the Mexican uh, section of North slash South America, you know, Central American area, has been affected. This has caused the halt in production of Corona beer, which caused a 38% drop in sales. The closure of the breweries and the suspension of production across Mexico comes after the government ordered non-essential businesses to keep their workers at home. If workers couldn't make the beer, they couldn't sell the beer. With more than 1,500 cases and 50 deaths in Mexico, the decision was made to suspend non-essential activities for at least one month from the month of April to slow the spread of coronavirus. The maker of Corona Beer and other popular brands said it would suspend its operations at plants around the country by Sunday. The company pointed out in a statement that thousands of farmers depended on buying their grain. The brewery said it was scaling down its operations to a bare minimum in line with the Mexican government's orders, but suggested it would keep brewing beer if its operations were deemed to be agriculture. Agriculture and food production among, are among the key sectors which are still allowed to function under Mexican government orders. If the federal government considers appropriate to issue some clarification confirming beer as an agro-industrial product at Corona, at corona Beer, they're ready to execute a plan with more than 75% of, our staff, of their staff working from home and at the same time guaranteeing the supply of beer. Dutch brewer Heineken has also announced it was suspending production of its plants and would stop distribution by Sunday in Mexico. Some Mexican states have also imposed dry laws to restrict the sale of alcohol during the health crisis. And yes, today has been a short episode, but that's all I've got for you today. Thanks for listening to Rising News. Before we wrap up, I'd just like to say thanks to uh, James and Oliver. Again, like I said, thanks last week. Thank you so much for joining the team. Thanks for all your efforts in script writing, script writing, editing, and all that kind of stuff. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, yes, it's been a shorter episode than normal. I've been on a very tight time frame recently, but I hoped I've, I've hoped I've got a few opinions and voices across. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, thanks again. I'm Riley Oaks. Goodbye. 